Well, good evening, everybody. Well, first of all, I just want to honor the pastors of this house, Pastor Uri and Pastor Amanda, and thank you for inviting me. I want to um, honor the men of God in the house. Um, what an honor, Pastor Sam. And, uh, of course, my husband. For, he, for me, he's the best man in the house. <laughs> the most awesome man of God. Um, I was going to use the Bible, but like I'm so used to using a, you know, a device now, it's going to be like probably slow me down. So I'm just going to go with what I'm used to. Is that okay with you? I just want to like touch on what you were saying. But before I do that, I just want to pray something. Is that okay? So Father, I want to thank you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I want to thank you that every ear is open right now to hear the word of God. I thank you that if there's anything that's binding people's minds right now, it looses them. I thank you that they hear the word of God. I thank you that the word of God goes into their heart and it produces a hundredfold. Thank you, Father God, that every weed and every thistle and every thorn that's in their heart right now, I uproot it and I thank you and I praise you, Father God, that the word of God will go deep into their hearts, Lord. And I thank you that out of their bellies will flow rivers of living water. I thank you, Father God, that out of this message and out of, and out of what you are going to do this weekend will come an abiding in you like never before in their lives, Lord. I thank you that they begin to hear you more clearly. I thank you and I praise you, Father God, that many things that have been issues in their life begin to drop off, Father God. And I thank you and I praise you that right now in this house, Lord, the heavens are open and that your glory will begin to flow in their lives and that the love of Jesus will be shed abroad in their hearts by your Spirit. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. It's, um, I'm going to tell a little bit of my testimony. I'm think, I think it's like really like crazy that Pastor Sam's here because um, 20 years ago, I ended up in, he had a revival meeting in his church in South Africa. I mean, two South Africans in one place, this time at an opening of a women's meeting. Okay, this is not this is not, you know, God doesn't make mistakes. He knows what he's going to do ahead of time. And I mean, we haven't seen him for 20 years. I think it's 20 years. But I want you to, I want you to know something about me. When, when I got born again, I came out of the Catholic Church. I was educated by the nuns. I was beaten by the nuns. I was disciplined by the nuns. I was baptized by the nuns. And, you know, I used to have a T-shirt that used to say, I'm not, I'm not afraid of you, I was, I was educated by the nuns. So, basically, all that did for me was it, it, it created a root of rebellion in my life, if you understand what I'm saying. And by the time I hit, like, 13, 14, what they do is they have a thing called confirmation. And it's the final step that you take where you become a slave to the church. It's the only, the only way I can explain to you. Okay, I think some of you understand what I'm talking about. Okay, so, you know, we all come out of different issues, and that was my issue. And the reason why I ended up in this Catholicism issue is that um, my father was a Catholic and my mother was a Methodist. Okay, so that was a bit of a mess. But they sent me to a Baptist um, play school when I was about three years old, and I had an encounter with God, and I came home. And I was like, oh my gosh, 
I just want to serve God. And my dad was like, well, this is a good idea. Let's turn her into a nun, okay? Well, that wasn't a good idea for me, okay? Because by the time I was seven years old, I was already questioning them concerning their doctrine and why the priest was doing this and doing that, and I couldn't do any of that stuff. And I was told to shut up. And, um, you know, for, for a person like me, that was very difficult, you know? So by the time I was 12 years old, I was like, God's not in this house, you know? Because somewhere along the line, somebody told me that God is love. I don't know. For me, I was like, this is not love. This is torture. This is cruelty. And there was one little old nun. That was there. Her name was Sister Aquinas. Little lady like this. And she's about 90 in the shade. And she, I was always getting into trouble because I was in boarding school, you know. Um, they felt that they could torture me some more by sending me to boarding school. And I was always in trouble. I was always, you know placed in this position where I was the one that was always leading others astray and, you know, I was the child of the devil. They actually had the cheek to call my father and say, she's the child of the devil. That really upset him. I think that was the final straw for him. But in, the, in this process of what I was going through as a child, I knew that there must be more. You know what I'm trying to say? And they wanted me to do confirmation. And what they do is they sit you all up in the front row and they decide to put you through these classes. And then I said, well, I'm going to become an atheist. It's the only way I could get out of this. So (laughs) they said, why don't you want to become a Catholic and swear allegiance to the Catholic Church? I said, well, exactly. Because I don't want to swear allegiance to any of this. And that was it. Okay, from that day onwards, they called my father. They said, you got to get her out of here. She will be excommunicated from the Catholic Church, which didn't bother me at that time. And um, at the end of the year, you have to remove her out of the school. So it was St. Ursula's Convent in Krugersdorp, if you're wondering which school it was. Pastor Samuel, <laughs> they're laughing, they know. Okay, so it was really like, I never forget, I walked into, they've got the, these beautiful elaborate buildings with all their idols, okay? Um, I discovered I had some Italian blood in me, so there's some of that that I, you know. So I walked in there, and there was Jesus hanging on the cross, and I looked around, and I, I said, God, if you are real, and I think you are, you're going to come find me, because now I'm going, I'm going to do what I want to do. And that led to five years of craziness in my life, literally, Five years of just absolute rebellion. But it was very interesting because whenever I got myself into a situation, I was like, oh, Jesus, help me, whatever. And I was always get myself out of it. it. It's a miracle with some of the things that I got up to that I wasn't arrested, I wasn't murdered, ended up with a serial killer or something weird like that. I'm talking about hitchhiking, all sorts of awful things. And, you know, I thank God that we didn't have social media like we do now. Because, you know, once it's out there, it's out there forever. So thank God for that. Because, because I probably would have been plastered all over social media with all my nonsense. And then on my journey, I met this interesting person that was backslidden. And um, I went into his apartment with my friends and I looked on his shelf. And there were two books there. The one was the Bible and one was the world according to Garp. And I looked around and I thought, 
okay, this person's okay. Because deep down inside myself, I thought, well, if anybody has a Bible on their shelf, they're going to be okay. And I sat down and I spoke to him and I said, so tell me, is there a God? Now, you know, you can be backslidden, but once you've been filled with the Spirit, the Spirit of God is going to rise up in you. It doesn't matter how much whatever you smoked or drank or whatever, okay? He looked at me and he said, of course, you silly woman. Of course, there's a God. Now I'm going to fast forward. We got married eventually, ran away together, ran away together. Got married, two children. When I say two children, I mean two children got married, okay, and had a child. Um, Praise the Lord, he's normal. And um, I'll never forget... We had like some issues in our life, and I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm fast forwarding to some stuff because I'm going to get to really where the real encounter took place in my life. And I ended up giving my life to the Lord probably a year after we had got married because it was such a mess anyway. You know, I mean, when you marry a backslidden person, you, you're walking in a curse anyway, so all his issues come on you. So the two of us, it was a big mess, and finally the Lord got hold of us. But 10 years into my walk with the Lord, he was the one that God always used to use. And, you know, he, he would preach and he had a gift to, to minister. And, like, I was more, like, had more an intimate relationship with the Lord. And he used to often say to me, come, I want you to speak to the people or, or say something to the people. And I used to say, listen here, just leave me alone. We used to literally have fights. I said, don't do this. I could feel, I could feel the fear come on me. I understand that. I was like, I can't publicly speak to people. I was not confident in that. Because when I got born again, everything that was my personality, they cast out of me. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And God was beginning to fill me with his personality, but I, I had no identity. I don't, I don't know if you understand. I think you understand. I had no identity. So my identity was coming through Christ. But I was unable to be able to, to publicly even speak because fear would come upon me, like this incredible fear. Anyway, a friend of ours invited us to Pastor Sam's church. He had a man of God there by the name of Rodney Hart Brown. Maybe some of you people know who it is. And uh, there we go, somebody knows. And um, I was sitting in the fifth row, Grace. And I still remember it was the fifth row. I thought I was like really important because I got in the fifth row. And I was sitting next to a friend of mine. And all of a sudden, now I knew the Holy Spirit. I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I had encounters with God, but all of a sudden I felt the presence of God like I never experienced in my life. And we looked at each other and I said, what's that? Well, five days later, I came round. Okay, that's all I can say to you. Um, but the power of God came on my life so explicitly powerful that it transformed me. I can't even begin to explain to you what that meant for me, the, what the Holy Spirit did in me. It was like a different person, a different personality. All of a sudden, I could take a mic and I could begin to speak to people. I was able to minister to people. Suddenly, signs and wonders started happening around me. And of course, then persecution came with that. I thought everybody would be happy. 
So I was invited to the local town prayer meeting, Mahalisburg. And um, there were all these aunties there. We call them aunties in, in South Africa. The aunties are, you know, um, the people that rule the town. That's all I'm going to say about that. And they invited me and my friend to this prayer meeting. This is about two weeks after this incident at, at your church. And we went there. And they said, will you pray? And I did. And the power of God fell in the room. And all these aunties and grannies were crawling on the floor. And I thought, this is fantastic. We're having a revival. Well, this went on for about three or four hours. And we all said goodbye. And everybody kissed me goodbye. And we were great friends. And do you know that they never spoke to me ever again? <laughs> never again. They would not even look at me. I want you to know that it was, it, it was a one-street town. So you can't miss each other. Okay? I was told later on that they said I came from a cult. I've been accused of that a few times. Okay? Well, it was a cult of Jesus Christ. Okay, you know? That's the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's basically what happened to me. And from that day onwards, I want you to know, it's been the ride of my life. The best ride of my life. You know what? There's that scripture that says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff shall comfort me. And you have prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. So, you know, Amanda, you were talking about joy. Joy has been my strength. You wouldn't look at me, but I'm a happy person. I can go through some stuff. God will make me laugh in the most weirdest times. My mother even said to me, she said, look at you, you're so irritating. You're always happy. But it's a strength. It comes by the Spirit. And he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. And as I take communion, I say, this is what his blood has bought for me. And this is what his body has done for me. He's set me free. He's put me on a mountain Thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've done in my life. And from that day onwards, I was pursuing him for, for almost 10 years. But I never forget, just before that happened, I used to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and I was like, God, I don't know if I can do this unless I know you. Because I'd found that scripture says that you may know him in the power of his resurrection. I said, what is this power of your resurrection? I understand the Holy Spirit. I've been baptized in the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. But what is this power? Being conformed into your image. And then his power came on me so unexpectedly, so amazingly. It changed my life. And in that meeting, I feel to share this with you guys. And it is very prophetic that Pastor Sam is here. Because I had an encounter with the Lord. And while I was in the heavenlies, the weirdest thing happened to me. I stopped breathing. I don't know if you've been under the power that you stopped breathing. Because when I came back, I remember I was like, oh, I better breathe. That's how I know. But I was taken up. A friend of mine was sitting over me because I had been prayed for and I ended up five seats back. And they decided they better just, you know, protect me from all the other bodies, that were, whatever was going on there. And he told me I'd been gone for five hours. And during that time, I was taken up into the heavenlies. And this is what God said to me. 
He said to me, I've called you to preach and to set women free. That other women would follow after you and that you'd, uh, there would be, you'd be like a trailblazer. He said, even men will listen to you. I'm going to anoint you and I'm going to take you to the United States of America. And I remember I had no idea. I was like, I'm not going, you know, I, I had no intention of ever coming here. I couldn't even pay for my gas at that time. I just want you to know. Okay, it was Holy Ghost gas because we used to pray and hope that we get there. Okay, and then we used to ask God for seed to sow. Who, who does that? So God, we need to put in the offering. So somebody would give you some money so that you have some seed to sow. That's how bad it was. Okay, so he always produced seed to sow and he always produced gas. And during this encounter... The Lord was very mad at, like, people were saying, well, what was it like? What? No, he was, he was just light. I don't know how to explain it to you, but I felt the, the pure love of God like I've never felt in my life before. But I had the audacity to also argue with him. In the, I mean, who does that? You know, I was like, America? What about South Africa? And I never forget, he just looked at me. And as he walked away from me, these two angels just poured these vials over my head. And I think from that time, something really divine happened in my life. And we, my husband and I, we had a seven-year revival break out in South Africa amongst the African people. We were the only white people in the church and thousands. Over a million people came to Jesus, most of them under the age of 30. So I really believe that every single person here that's come here to listen to what God has to say to you is here by divine destiny. Don't even, you don't even know. 20 years, it's 20 years. And it, you know, in 2019, I was lying on my couch in Cape Town, Longabon, and I heard the Lord say, you and Vaughan better get out of South Africa. This is your last chance. We did not know COVID was going to happen. We packed our bags. One suitcase is all they allow you on the plane, okay? I wasn't going to pay the extra $100. I was a cheapskate still then. I was like, okay, well, because if you, if you translate rands to dollars, it's like, mm-mm. No, we'll just give the clothes away and we'll thank God that we'll get more when we get there. And we landed in Atlanta Airport. But as we're going through, we gave everything away. It was the weirdest thing. We had nothing we needed $1,000 because when you enter into the United States, you have to prove that if you're going to stay for a period of time, that you can support yourself. And you need a minimum of $1,000. And we were like stressing, okay? But then the Lord said to me, he said, I'm going to bless you in your going in and your coming out. And as we crossed into no man's land, my phone my husband's phone went, and someone had put the money in. So we literally left with a suitcase and $1,000. And it wasn't all easy, people. It wasn't all easy. No one will really understand what that means. But I'm very pleased that I finally obeyed because I can see what God is busy doing in this nation and why I'm here. And because God is going to... Every single person that's sitting here... I see some prophets in the house. I see some lady apostles. I see some evangelists in the house. I see some missionaries in the house. Every single person that's in this place, God has appointed you and anointed you to do something that is going to change this nation.
Because it can't just happen politically, people. It has to happen amongst the people. Okay? Even when Jesus was first born, when he arrived on earth, they were looking for a political king. Okay? That they didn't even recognize that their savior was walking amongst them. Okay? The hope for this nation is a mighty outpouring of the presence of God. And this is not a one-man show. Some of you will say, well, I don't think I'm called to preaching. No, but you're called to pray. And you better be praying his will, not your will. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. Not your kingdom, thy kingdom. So you better, be, you better make sure that you're in the will of God. And that's why every single person that's sitting here, I believe that this is an appointment from God concerning what he's planned and purposed in your life. Every single person, woman and man, are sons of God. We're all called, every single person, to do something for the kingdom. That's why he calls us the body of Christ. Not the arm of Christ or the foot of Christ, but the body of Christ. Amen? Okay. Let's give you a scripture so you don't think I'm not, you know. One of those weirdos that doesn't preach out of the word of God. I love the word of God. The other day I listened to, bless her heart, some lady, I'm not going to mention names, but um, she was like, Okay, I'm going to minister to you out the volume of the book. And she literally started from the book of Genesis and went to the whole, right away to Revelation. I've never heard so much crammed in in three hours. I was so confused by the end of it. I was like, dear Lord, help me. It was difficult. So I'm not going to do that to you, so don't worry. Okay. Let's see where he wants me to go. John 1, 17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Psalm 1, 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth fruit in his season, and his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does, he shall prosper." And John fourteen twenty two, Judas saith unto him, Not Iscariot, thank God it wasn't him. Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? And Jesus answered him and said unto him, If any man love me and keep my words, my Father will love him, and we will come to him, and we will make abode with him. And he that loves me not, keepeth not my sayings, and the word which you hear is, which, which they hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. In hearing you will hear, and in seeing you will see. Jesus said, my sheep will know my voice. And this is such an important time that we're living in, especially in this nation, because there's all sorts of freaky stuff going on out there. And I often listen to some of this stuff, and I'm saying, Lord, this is not the word of God that's been preached from some of these pulpits. I literally had somebody, we were discussing it in the car, say to us, you know, um, she hears from God. And she was pretty upset when we said to her, but it doesn't line up with the word of God. She said, it doesn't need to line up with the word of God. Don't look so shocked, people. This is sitting in the pews. Okay? 
And she's been in ministry for 20 years. Right. Yes. Oh, gosh. Let's go here. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice and know, and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. John eight forty seven, He that is of God heareth God's words. You therefore hear them not because you are not of God. One of the biggest shocks in my life early on in ministry was like, how do these people not hear? Because they're not of God. Because the minute you gave your life to Jesus, you were translated from darkness to light. Okay, from death to life. From death to eternity. You became a child of the kingdom. But you can refuse to hear his voice. And I've noticed that. And I feel like I need to speak this out before, for the whole weekend and for, to leave you guys with the, some of the stuff that I'm about to say, that the word of God is very imperative for you to be able to grow. Because Jesus was, you know, you should read all four Gospels. Jesus said some very profound things. He said, if you build your house on the rock, the wind will come and, and the storms will come, but your house will stand. But if you build it on sand, what is there will be no house. It'll be all blown away. Let's go there. I'm going to talk about the church now. Revelation 3.20 Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come to him and I will sup with him and he with me. In other words, you'll eat at that table with him. Psalm 119.105 Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. John 8.47 He that is of God heareth God's words, and you therefore hear them not, because you are not God's. Listen, people, unbelief disqualifies you. For anything that God can do for you. Anything. Um, I think it's in Matthew. John 1.12 But as many as received him, to him he gave them the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst men, and we beheld his glory and the the glory as of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Okay, here we go. Matthew 16, 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do the men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some say Elias, some others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, And whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, Thou art the rock people, and upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Let's break it down. When you hear the Father, and you hear his voice, he will reveal himself to you. When you won't hear the Father, you won't hear his voice, there will be no revelation, and then the gates of hell will prevail in your life. In other words, the word of God is the chief cornerstone. Grace and truth comes by him, and the whole body is built on this one revelation, that if you will hear the Father, and you will hear the revelation that comes through the Father, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. This is spiritual warfare one-on-one, people, okay? I've, I've, listen, I come from a town where God has let Vaughan and I um, pl- plant a church, and um, I don't know if you, any of you have heard of Moravian Falls, um, some people will know where it is, but there they believe that there's like portals and all sorts of freaky other stuff. But the, I've never seen so much confusion and demonic activity as what I've seen in that place in the guise of church. So some of them will say to me, well, you know, I feel so heavy, man. I feel so heavy. There's such an attack of the devil on my life. No. No, 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 no. You need to get with the Father. You need to abide with him and eat with him and hear what he is saying so that he can bring revelation into your life that everything that comes up against you cannot prevail against you. Okay? It doesn't mean that stuff's not going to come up against you because that's why it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you just keep walking, man. You keep walking and you sit down at the table and you begin to eat with him and you begin to take communion with him and you begin to hear his voice and everything that is around you can't prevail against you. It breaks strongholds in your life. It breaks strongholds where you're living. You know, I was like, we rented this house and they were like, yeah, there's a lot of spiritual warfare in that house. I had... Zero. I was like, what are you talking about? No, there's like activity on that mountain. I was like, the only activity there is the Holy Ghost and me praying in the Spirit. Because out of my belly will flow rivers of living water. That's what I said to them. They get angry. They get angry with me. I'm talking about church people, so-called mature people. Okay, I was like pretty shocked. I was like, what is this, man? And the Lord said to me, where there's evil works. There's every confusion. In other words, they're not hearing his voice. They're doing what they will, not his will. And there's a, there's a fine line. There's no gray areas in the kingdom. It's his will. He said, my yoke, not your yoke. So he's going to put a yoke on you. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In other words, he's going to lead you. Because you know, when you, 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 you farmers, you come from farming background, okay, I come from a farming background. When they put the oxen together, they always put the stronger oxen with the weaker oxen, and he leads the weak oxen. 
And it's easy for him. He's bigger and he's stronger. And then he also says in his word that he will break the yoke because of the anointing. And the anointing comes by abiding people. There's an abiding anointing that brings revelation into your life. I really feel that this is a message that I have for some people here. I want you to get back into abiding, not expecting it to come from there, but expecting it to come from here. Because he said, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill. We are supposed to shine. He was the first light. Now we are the light. And don't be afraid of the darkness, because when God begins to shine through you, he said, if I will be lifted up, he was talking about the crucifixion, he said, then I will draw all men unto me. Lift him up. Lift up what the cross has done in your life, that God can begin to draw all men unto you. This is the light that all men seek, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. Cannot. So when you take a lamp, he says, you don't put it under a bushel. He says, you put it on a lampstand so that all men can see. Now, it can't just be one person that all men see. He has to see you. This is a joint venture. This is something that we need everybody to do. You know what I'm trying to say? You need to look at yourself in the mirror, and if you're seeing yourself still, then you need to look again, because you should see Jesus looking back at you. Behold his face. Behold him in your life. See him, who he is, what he's done for you. Take hold of everything that he's done for you. Begin to manifest it in your life. Sit in his presence. Allow yourself to be filled with the oil of the anointing. Be a wise virgin. Because you're going to need it in the days to come. You're going to need it. Because one of two things is going to happen. Some people that think that God is going to use them, he ain't going to use because they're not even spending time with him. They're not abiding or taking up residence with him. They're not even touching the Father. They're not even with the Father. They're not allowing God to do stuff in their life to change them. You need to, you need to hear what I'm saying. You need to allow God to bring correction in your life. You need to hear his voice. You need to be soft and supple. You need to allow the word of God to be that two-edged sword, dividing the marrow from the bone and, and revealing the intents of our heart. Because you'll be surprised what's going on in your heart. You'll be surprised. If God says to you, forgive, well, you know. Okay, this is a hard one. Okay, I'm touching on this one, whether you like it or not. Okay? It's difficult, especially if somebody's really hurt you. But you need to forgive because otherwise you can't manifest who the Son of God is because he came and he, and he took on all our sins. And sometimes if you don't remit somebody's sins and you retain it, they are unable to even have a breakthrough because you're a son of God. That's why he said whoever sins you forgive are forgiven and whoever sins you retain are retained. You have the power of God in you to get people free. Some of you are looking at me very strangely, but that's a fact. I'm telling you now. The minute you begin to forgive somebody, it allows the Holy Spirit to be able to even start ministering into that person's life. Come on. Come on. And it allows God to be able to start ministering in your life and give you the power to be a son of God. Give you the power to be a lamp, 
to give you the power that you can be a tree planted by living waters. To be a leaf that is healing for the nations. So that people, when they come and they eat off their life, they don't eat off bitterness, unforgiveness and hurt. They eat joy, love, peace, grace, truth. Because everything about every single one of us, you need to understand your reaction to God and his word affects everybody around you. One of the things God said to me very early, he said, you, whatever you do to your children now, wherever you go, they are watching you. And they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna do what you do. If you walk in unforgiveness, they're going to be just like you, bitter trees. Bitter trees, like a sycamore tree, a tree of bitterness. When you eat that tree, they say it's so bitter. And it's always people that are in poverty that eat that tree. The poor people used to eat the tree, the sycamore tree. It was bitter. But if you walk in forgiveness and in love, your children see that. And the next generation is the generation that God wants to touch. He wants to use them more mightily than us. He wants to give them more revelation of who he is as a father to the next generation. Where I come from, in Africa, and even in the area that we're ministering in right now, I would say that 90% of the young people are fatherless. They don't understand what that even means. No wonder we have an identity problem in this nation where somebody who's a girl can think that they're a boy. I mean, that's just off the wall. But I said, God, what is it? He said, it's a spirit of fatherlessness. Of fatherlessness. And you can be a mother without a husband and you can take your children to meet the father and know who the father is. Father God. Father God, you can trust the Holy Spirit to teach you all truth and lead you in the way of righteousness, that you become a tree of righteousness, strong, that the only bending you do when the wind comes is to kiss his feet and nobody else's feet. This grace will come on your life when you take the word of God and you hear God And you follow him because he said, my sheep will know my voice. Some people say, how do you hear God? Well, sometimes I do hear him. When that prophetic thing comes to me, I can hear him very clearly. I can go, okay, yes, all right. But there's times when I just read the word and I'm like, yeah, the word of God says that. He said, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Every time something comes up against me, I'm able to take the word of God because it's engrafted into me. It is part of who my DNA is. I thank God for all the people that have sown into my life the word of God, the truth, the power of the word of God. And I have a spirit of faith, the ability to stand through storms, my sister. That when it comes up against me, I can say, though you slay me, I will serve you. And guess what? He never has. I'm still standing here. That I can believe God, even at the worst times of my life, when I'm walking through valleys, just keep walking. When grief and sorrow come on me, joy comes in the morning. When pain 
and, and betrayal come upon me, I'm able to forgive and walk away. Because it's not me, nevertheless, not I that live, but Christ that lives within me, the anointed one, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He dwells with me and in me and through me that I'm able to touch lives, break down barriers, love people that are unlovable, be able to speak into people's lives, and most of all, that communion of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing like that. So that even when I worship, I can worship in spirit and in truth. Sometimes I watch people and I'm saying, God, don't they understand that when we worship you, he loves it, man. He loves it. And then he begins to pour out into you and fill you up that you become an overflowing vessel. An overflowing vessel. That's why Jesus said, he said, I have water that you can drink and you will never get thirsty again. That's what he was talking about. You know, when you begin to fellowship with God and spend time with him in his word, and you begin to trust him, a spirit of faith and grace and truth come upon you, and then the supernatural begins to take place automatically in your life. Before you know it, you won't even have to be seeking it or, or have somebody lay hands on you or whatever. It begins to happen around you. You begin to do crazy things for God. You don't have to be on the St. Roth show, okay, for God to use you. You know what I'm trying to say? He will begin to do freaky, crazy things through you. I mean, I, you know, the first time somebody got healed, I was like, this is amazing. I was like, Wow. But God just began to pour through me. The first time I kicked the devil out, I was like, this is fantastic. I have dominion and power. You hear what I'm trying to say, people? Because when you commune with him, he gives you the confidence. It's not you. You know that it's him. And sometimes you just do it by faith. But other times you feel the dunamis power come on you. And then you're like Wonder Woman. It's amazing. You're like, oh, God. And it's, it's, it's him that works through you, this power. When you begin to pray for people and you see God come through for these people, when you begin to prophetically pray and you get into the spirit and God begins to show you the things that, have, that are coming and he begins to say, I want you to pray this over an area and you begin to see into the realm of the spirit and you pray his will for that area. Then you begin to see God begin to move. And you begin to take down strongholds. And God begins to use you mightily in those areas. I, I've got some people that I pray with. I'm telling you, there's this one lady that I pray with. Her name is Shalindri. She can fast and pray too. You know, I, I'm like Smith Wheelsworth. I wasn't given too much fasting and praying, but trusting and obeying, if you know what I'm trying to say. So like three or four days, sometimes seven, like that's about it for me. But she'll go like 30, 40 days. But when you sit with her and she begins to, she, she will not preach. But when she begins to pray, the power of God, the, the dunamis power of God comes in that room. You will not even realize where it's coming from. I know where it's coming from. When you get into agreement, you know, Charles Finney, I'm sure you've all heard of him. One of the greatest secrets to his revivals is Father Nash. 
he was just the mouthpiece. He used to go two weeks ahead of time and begin to pray. And he would say, Lord, remember the cross. Remember that you've lifted all judgment and you've placed it on your son. Bring now grace and truth into these people. Save them. So many things will happen just by intercession and by prayer. Many. And many people think, well, I can't do anything for God. No, no, you can pray. You can pray. We need more people to start praying, man. Okay? And you better believe what you pray. And you better pray by the will of God. Touching anything, ask of me anything. And if it is my will, he says he will come and do it every time. And he does every time. He will never fail to answer a prayer that's in his will. Never. Never. So if you feel like, well, okay, I I don't think I'm going to be like Pastor Amanda or like you or whatever. Well, you'd be surprised, okay, because I don't think I was that. I was like, I'll just pray for the rest of my days, you know. He might come on you and before you know it, you become a mouthpiece for him, an encourager, an exhorter. That God begins to use you mightily. But I'm telling you now, desire to abide with him and to eat off his table. That this grace will come upon you. That his presence will become a drink offering for others. That your life becomes a sacrifice that is a joy. Because, you know, I hear some of these people, you know, I'm so afflicted. I, you know, I was like, I was whipped 50,000 times and whatever. Yes, that does happen to people. But the people that it's really been real with, you would hear their testimony, they'll say they didn't feel anything. Just like Stephen. I'm telling you, as they're stoning him, he looked up. And because of him, he said, Father, forgive them. Paul was standing there watching them stone him. And because he prayed that prayer, one of the greatest apostles came into the kingdom. Come on, people. Am I helping you here with some stuff? But changing your lives, your whole mindset, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Put away the former things, the pains, the hurt. Just shake it off, man. Shake it off like dust. Let God begin to use you. You know what I'm saying? Say, here I am, God. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I don't have to be a front runner if that's not what you want me to be. But Father God, I'll be there. I'll be a pillar if that's what you want to be, an armor bearer, whatever it is. You know, I was quite happy to just pray and, you know, support my husband and whatever. And when that thing came on me, I couldn't help it. God said, okay, now you're going to speak. And let me tell you what. My first meeting that he ever threw me out in Africa was probably about 200 African people. Okay, Now, you've got to understand, Pastor Sam will understand, that in Africa, the men, they don't listen to the women, eh? No. This is a problem. So I was like, oh God, what are you going to do now? And I didn't come just in word and in deed, but I came in the power 
of the Holy Ghost and God began to pour out that they had to listen. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're listening. But with them, God had to start doing signs and wonders for them to listen. Because suddenly they were like, oh, this is something we don't understand. Signs and wonders. So you don't know. You might end up in a situation down the road buying vegetables and this guy's not going to believe but God is going to maybe use you with a word of knowledge prophecy pray for a sick person they get healed and because of what you did the whole family comes to Jesus we just had that the other day in our church little boy he, he was um, they diagnosed him with leukemia a, a, a friend of mine that's in the church brought her sister to the church he prophesied that God is going to, it's going to, uh, I can't exactly remember the exact words, but that God was going to, he's going to turn the whole situation around and the whole family would come in. And so she, she bought the whole family on the Sunday and they prayed for him. This week we found out they did, the, they've done the test twice because the first time they didn't believe it. The second time, documented, okay, no leukemia. He had allergies as well. He'd never been able to drink chocolate milk. Can you imagine? Can you imagine never tasting chocolate? Oh, Jesus, no. Okay, chocolate is like from God, all right? He tasted chocolate milk for the first time yesterday, and he had no reaction. Imagine what that's like, people. The whole family. They, came, they went down like skittles, man. God just brought the whole family in. One shot. One miracle. One miracle. Just one little miracle, man. One little miracle. Come on. It, and it, it doesn't have to, you don't have to be like Benny Heen or whatever. You know what I'm saying? You can just be you. God can use you. You in your family. You can say the right thing to the right, at, at the right time to someone. You know, we got this like, is this recorded? I hope not. <coughs> I don't want anybody to listen to this. Is this recording? Okay. No, is it okay? All right. They probably, he probably won't watch it anyway. So it's a woman's meeting. He won't be interested. We've got this young man that comes and plays drum for, drums for us. He was a, um, a heavy metal drummer. Who knows what that is? Okay. And he walked in the door the one day with his hair and his mega desk T-shirt and whatever. And we had um, our worship leader on the, sto- on the stage. And I still thought... Oh, well, this isn't his type of music, if you know what I'm saying. And God touched this guy. Vaughan called him up, prayed for him, he gave his life to the Lord. Next Sunday, he's back in the pews, and I was like, well, okay, well, he's back. That's a good sign. All right. And he got up, and he took, because our drummer wasn't there, and he took the drums, and the glory of God fell in that house. He now plays on the worship team. Thank God the T-shirts have gone, but he still looks a bit odd. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because one friend was kind enough and said to him, come with me to church, man, because he wanted wanted to commit suicide. So you you don't know who you're going to touch. And don't think because like they're this or that that they won't come and sit in a meeting like this. No, this is exactly what they need. They need the love of God, okay? Because the first time I walked into a church 
and I heard real worship, not Catholic worship, real worship, I felt the presence of God. And I was like, what is this? It was so amazing. And that Sunday, it was Easter Sunday, they preached the cross, man. I'd never heard them. I'd been in the Catholic Church for years. All I heard about was Mary and how Jesus was angry at us. Okay? They preached the cross. People, we had a fight in the parking lot afterwards. I said, why didn't you ever tell me this stuff? You knew. I stood there and wept. I could not stop crying in the worship. Because before they even took the pulpit and preached the word of God, I was touched by heaven. So you don't know who you're going to affect. You don't know. And I feel like I'm saying this to you guys because I feel like there's going to come a flood. Because the word of God says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord is going to raise up a standard. And he's raising up a standard in this area right now. Amongst all of you, he's raising you up. He's raising up a standard. I'm being prophetic now. He's raising up a standard. He's raising up a standard. And when God begins to move, they're coming. All shapes and sizes. All sorts of fruitcakes. That's what I say about the body of Christ. It's like one giant fruit salad, and we're all fruity, okay? There's nobody that normal in the church, okay? We know where you came from. We know. But his DNA becomes our DNA, and we touch lives. So I want to encourage every single person in this place, what's the time? Every single person in this place right now, I want you all to stand to your feet. I want to keep you late. Because tomorrow we are going to, we're going to conference. <laughs> we're going to go for it, man. <laughs> I love conferences. Some of, some of the greatest moments and changes in my life have happened in conferences. And you know what? God builds. He starts building in your life and he begins to speak in your life. So Father God, I want to thank you and praise you for it. Just raise your hands to heaven right now. If this message has, has really touched you, I just want you to hear what I'm praying over you right now. I thank you and I praise you, Father God, that everything that you've planned and purposed for their lives, Father God, that you would produce it. And Father God, we, we just say to you, we want a hundredfold in our lives. I know that the, the word says some 30, some 40, some 50. Some, no, 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 I want a hundred, man. I want everything. I'll go for everything. Everything. Produce in my life, Lord. Rain down your presence in my life, Lord. Change me into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. Let everything that is in me that is, that is not from you, Father God, I give you permission. Say, I give you permission right now to remove it out of my life. I thank you and I praise you, Father God, that everything that is holding them back, every chain, I see some chains even coming off by the word that I've spoken over you. Jesus said you are free because of the word that I've spoken over you. I see chains coming off you. Thank you, Father God. I see a gift of faith breaking out amongst the young people in this place. I see a radicalness. I see something, something in, on the horizon, and it looks like and it smells like young people. I see them coming. I break off every religious spirit right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Every python spirit that would try to suck the life out of you, I break it in mighty name of Jesus. I be like Paul and I say, get out. 
in Jesus' name. Every voice that pretends that it is from Jesus, I shut you up right now and I cause you to be dumb. You have no voice. And I thank you and I praise you, Father God, that everything in their lives that was not from you, I thank you that a spirit of repentance comes on them right now and that you've broken everything in their lives and it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. And I thank you and I praise you, Father God, for freedom in this house. Freedom. Freedom in Jesus' name. Freedom. Shout freedom. freedom. No, no. I come from Africa, okay? When we shout freedom, we shout freedom. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Like, it'll take down the walls of Jericho. Every wall that's in your life, as you begin to speak the word that I've spoken over you, you will see walls begin to break down in your life. I thank you and I praise you, Father God. And even as the speakers that are coming after me tomorrow, Father God, that, that a double portion of the anointing come upon them to break out and pull out everything that you've planned and purposed for this conference. I thank you and I praise you, Father God, for giving me the honor to be able to speak to every one of these kings and priests and queens and this house. I thank you and I praise you, Father God, that this is a beginning of personal revival in these people's life. Personal. Everybody wants a revival for the nation, but it's got to begin in you first. It begins in you first. And when you begin, when it begins in you, you become that river. So let the personal revival begin in you. I say, run after God, chase after him. He said, any man that knocks, I will open the door for him. Begin knocking. Say, God, I'm coming for you. I want to hear from you. I want to spend time with you. I want to be part of you. Everything in my life that's not from me, it removes itself from me right now. And everybody said, Amen.